And we're back with Cinema Cemetery for episode 61, 1988. I'm Dan. And I'm Kate. And welcome aboard. This week, we're diving into, actually, Kate, a little bit of trivia. This is the last drama to top the box office and win Best Picture. We've had some very... You don't uh, say. Well, there, there have been movies since that have topped the box office, but I don't believe they go in the drama category. I don't know if this movie, I don't know if this movie belongs in the drama category either, but that's that's officially where it is. Yeah, Titanic romance, right? Or Really? I mean, there's a certainly there's a car scene, but there's well, what's thing. the gist of that story, right? What do you want to know, right? Near are they going to where you are but we're not here to talk about titanic we're here to talk about another <laughs> another type of water and it's rain specifically rain man starring tom cruise and our buddy dustin hoffman dustin hoffman's back again kate it seems like every decade he shows up as a completely different person and oh, uh yeah i mean gosh this is so different from when we met him and when he was rizzo and Midnight Cowboy, like, my goodness, what the heck? He does have a common thread in that he always seems very uh, nervous and agitated, right? Rizzo, very, very put upon and, and worried. Uh, the Kramer uh, in Kramer versus Kramer, very uh, annoyed. Very overwhelmed. And uh, same with this. We, he plays uh, Charlie Babbitt and uh, Raymond. No, not Charlie Babbitt. That's Tom no, Cruise, he plays correct? Raymond. He plays Rain Man. Raymond, yeah, yeah which I Raymond. just got watching it. I, I, I did not yeah. put that together until yeah, I saw it a second time. The movie. I know, I just forgot all about it. I, I was I was started to watch the second time here and I said, Why is it called Rain Man anyway? And then because he's Rain my God. I don't you know, that's okay. I miss lots of things. I was going to say, I'm just glad that Dustin Hoffman calmed down by the time he hit uh, senior citizen age. You know, we need the posture. <laughs> yeah, otherwise he, otherwise he, well, I can't get, he, maybe he thought that he would get him his fourth, his fourth best picture, but not, not quite. Well, Kate, yeah. tell us, uh, you know, let's say I've never seen Rain Man, which I have, but imagine I hadn't. Right. What, what is this movie about? Because I think this one has a, a relatively simple plot compared to some of the others we've been looking at. Yeah, simple plot, simple cast of characters, right? There's only three main characters, really two main characters, and the rest are just fillers. Um, well, sometimes the girlfriend's the third. Um, so Rain Man, it opens with a very hotshot business dude. Father dies, Charlie Babbitt, and Charlie finds out he gets nothing in the will because he had a bad relationship with his dad, and it turns out his dad left all this money this random guy at some institution. Well, okay, um, you're cutting something important. He didn't get nothing. He got the rose bushes, right? At least he got and those. Car, and he gets he a car. Got, Two things. So he didn't get nothing, but he didn't get $3 million in an estate, you know. So very angrily, Charlie Babbitt marches down to, to where this person lives and turns out it's Raymond, his brother, who he didn't even know he had. So in an effort to try and secure half of his wealth, Charlie cooks up a very weird scenario where he pseudo kidnaps his older brother from an institution, 
his brother has autism. That's like the biggest part of the story that I have now. His brother has autism. That's why he's in the institution. He's considered to be a savant. And Charlie Babbitt low-key convinces Raymond to like go on a trip with him um, in an effort to try and secure half of the estate. And so the story is watching the two brothers go through this building of a relationship. I think there's a lot of other stuff in there, but the, the biggest thing is watching them become brothers. Yeah, the, the, the plot is... St- irrelevant right the the objective for charlie yeah. tom cruise's character is to get the estate that's his objective throughout the movie and his his secondary objective will change right first he needs his objective is to to simply convince and then his objective is to con, uh to, to kidnap raymond and, and put him on the plane and then in, the objective is to drive across the country um and mm-hmm. but but through all that is to get the estate uh and then eventually eventually it, it shifts towards the end um Ray, raymond doesn't really have an objective right his objective is to go about his day he he yeah. wants to go about his day the best he can i mean and that's that's the other thing is just kind of watching the interplay between the two of them that's that's the biggest thing is watching watching raymond's inability to cope with change and the things he's confronted with and yeah i don't know i'm here for it Spoiler it was- alert, i really love the movie well, it it was. I was trying to think back. It's the first movie in a long time that is a a movie, right? It has a couple yeah. characters, and we see them interact. We've had uh, so many. I think about Last Emperor, Platoon, Out of Africa, Amadeus. Terms of Endearment are either super sad or big honking epics. We have to go back to Chariots of Fire, and even that seemed a lot larger than this. You know, we might have to go all the way back to. I don't know, Annie Hall or The Sting or something before we get to a, a yeah. movie that's just a, it's a story a and we are, and are not, telling it. Not a, not, not a statement and not a period thing. piece and not an epic. And uh, so that was, that was refreshing. Although, I mean, I wouldn't say this movie isn't a statement and certainly it is a period piece and that it is a snapshot of how things went down in the 80s, especially for people who did have to live in those institutions. So there's like small pieces, but it's not like the Vietnam War is bad and <laughs> colonialism in Africa is also bad. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, I I was curious how educative this movie would have been in 1988, right? You you see a movie mm-hmm. now with an autistic yeah. character, and I, it feels like there's one of these on every network, right? There's a character on the sure. spectrum somewhere. Uh, but uh, this movie, was, was this the first time you had a, a movie with this at all? Um, was this the first time that, that some people were aware of the label? I don't know. So I really, I, I want to say no, right? Because this, this can't, and maybe the first time the label autism was associated with it. Um, I think they, they threw the term idiot savant out there and then they said autistic savant. Uh, so maybe people were, had been using that label before, but I'm guessing, I'm guessing people were more familiar back then with this condition than, than we're willing to give them credit for. Um, I don't know. I read a couple of different articles leading up to this. Yes, I did some press. <laughs> um, and because I was curious about that as well. Um, much like what I thought, there's some, I would say, back and forth in terms of criticism of having a non-autistic person play the part. 
Um, apparently Dustin Hoffman was like called out in an interview. People were asking why, why was he playing the part as someone who wasn't autistic? So that awareness was definitely there. Um, what it did do and what some psychologists spoke to was that it humanized the way the story is told, the way the relationship is built. And I agree. It humanized what autism can look like because it's a spectrum, right? So it humanized what it could look like for the masses. And I think in terms of education, it definitely broadened the number of people that could see, hey, this person isn't just an idiot. There's there's nuance to this, right? They're a person. So in that way, I think it soft, like, what is it? Like soft diplomacy, educated in certain ways. And the, the other thing, well, we can talk about just kind of to cover some of his strengths and weaknesses, um, I think created a character that is extremely rare, right? Most yeah. people with th- that are high, let's even just go high-functioning autism, cannot count all of the toothpicks on the floor instantly, cannot count cards, cannot memorize the phone book as they read through it overnight. This, this is, so he is a, a genius plus high-functioning autism, uh, super rare. And so that's yeah, the other thing. If you watch this, <laughs> you watch yeah, this and you think, ahead. oh yeah, there's some people out there like that. Yeah, like four of them, right? Uh, <laughs> Uh, so I don't know if that was a, I don't know. You, you, you could, you could criticize the movie for that. You could also say that's, that's the character they wanted, right? That's the character they wanted to make. Mm-hmm. So, so they absolutely did. And, and certainly people like that do exist. Um, but a very unique, uh, situation here. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, what were some of your... I don't know if we could go with likes and dislikes. We can get to dislikes. I think that'll be a shorter category. I guess what were some of your favorite moments? Because I think, I think that's really how you have to go in this scene. The, the, the acting, uh, Tom Cruise basically plays eighties man, right? And his girlfriend is, she plays girlfriend and they meet some people that fulfill functions, but really it's just about, um, Dustin Hoffman's scenes. So what, what were some of your favorites that stood out? I do want to point out, I think it's funny because you can always tell when when we're in agreement about a movie and when we like it because it just jumps to, so how, you know, just, 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 you, we assume you love the movie, so let's talk about it. <laughs> no, um, I kind of can, I, I have a couple critiques that I kind of want to hit. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll get to those. So that's but... No, you can get to the, Okay. So the things I really, really liked about the movie, um, I love the scene in the hotel room, like right after they pick him up and he's just sitting in the hotel room in that suite that they get and he has to make sure he sees Jeopardy and he has to like set the tables up all, all right. And then Charlie and his girlfriend are obviously having sex in the other room and he has no idea. And he just off the hand is just like mimicking their grunting and just sitting there completely oblivious. And it's just oh, perfectly awkward and weird and wonderful. Um, yeah, and you're worried it's going to like, he's going to be too mad that Tom is going to be so yeah. angry. And he, he tells him to get out, but it all works out just fine. Lo- low stakes. Yeah, like it was, it, it looks like high stakes. This was. Um, other things that are good, I mean, the pancake scene 
when when him and when him and Charlie at the end they go get pancakes and Charlie makes a joke and Raymond gets that they that he makes a joke and and when he says my man Charlie like my main man like when you know you my main man Laverne well it's my main man Vern but then the ERN but then it becomes Charlie and so to what when you when all of that hits that his main man has moved from Vern to Charlie whew, just gets all all the heartstrings. Every last drink. <laughs> That's it. Um, those all worked for me. What I think my, f- my favorite line is when they're driving and they get to, I think it's the first hotel, and Raymond says, I don't have my books. I'm going to be bookless. And <laughs> what, what, what a condition, right, to, to be bookless. And they end, Even that book. <laughs> reminded me of Thomas Jefferson. I cannot live without books. And then... Uh, Thomas Jefferson, who, if you ever visit Monticello, it turns out was also probably pretty autistic. Uh, <laughs> you, like, you and Thomas Jefferson, that trip to Monticello really just sucked with you. If you've never been to Monticello, Thomas Jefferson <laughs> has this mechanized um, calendar for the week. And it's in, I don't know how it works, but there's like a weight. And uh, it's at the very top of the ceiling, and it says uh, Sunday. And then a little further down on the wall was painted Monday. And the weight is is timed so that it lowers very slowly throughout the week. The problem is the weight gets to the floor on Thursday afternoon. And so oh, rather yeah. than recalibrate his machine, there's a hole in the floor, a hole. And <laughs> if you go down to the basement, uh, you can you can find Friday and Saturday. And, <laughs> and I just Thank imagine... You. Um, perhaps on the spectrum, Thomas Jefferson putting this together, hitting the floor and going, oh, I don't have it for Friday. I'm going to be weekendless, you know, and, and <laughs> cutting a hole there and head down and finishing in. So also the, you know, the, the $2 bill and the Louisiana purchase. But yes, the bookless scene, I think him, him coming down the escalator, them, them both just standing there in their suits coming oh, down the Oh, I mean, the, the iconic going into Caesar's Palace, yeah. Yeah. Caesar's Palace looking better than it does now. Woo. And the, the Who's On First. I have memorized the Who's On First monologue a couple times in my life. I've, I've done it uh, okay. at, at some things, yeah. and but I, I've forgotten it, right? Just, so just to see him have it all right <laughs> oh, there no! and have it all come back. And to have it without any uh, of the timing is, is pretty good to see. So it was good to see that get a call out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just the yeah. whole thing, I guess, just the whole thing, and it 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 walks a fun line in that yes, Raymond is funny, but mm-hmm. and but we're not laughing at him, right? We are laughing mm-hmm. uh, at at the awkwardness of the situation, and we're laughing at other people's reaction. Um, but he's not somebody we're making fun of. We we empathize with him, so I think that that took a, a pretty solid script to make that work. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Like you never felt like, yeah. And, and not only that, whenever anyone was even remotely harsh with Raymond, you felt this protectiveness of like, what, the, what do you do? You don't be mean to Raymond. <laughs> Raymond can't help this. Yeah. Tom what Cruise kind of grabs his neck early on and he, oh no. And he, and he writes down. <laughs> Critical injury grabbed by the neck by by Charlie Babbitt early on. Right, um, but you I'm contrast. Here, here that, 
you contrast him to a Forrest Gump character, right? And Forrest Gump, I think, also we, we empathize with, and he's the main lead. But we're also kind of laughing at Forrest sometimes, right? He's he's a little further on the the goofy spectrum. This is is meant to be realistic because we do see some of the debilitating natures of it. We, there's the funny little quirks, right. and then there's the the superpowers I counting the toothpicks. Yeah. Which I read right? they actually, like, when they showed this on Airlines, Airlines cut that scene. And the, the movie producers got mad. They said, well, how do you explain them taking the car then? Uh, well, right, we didn't like want to make anyone nervous. Well, if they were on Qantas Airlines, they wouldn't be nervous. Qantas, Qantas I guess, does not cut the scene. That's what uh, allegedly <laughs> allegedly Qantas kept it on. This is according to, yeah, this is according I mean, to the internet. But, like, I think... Those scenes, right, where, like, he will lose it and Charlie inevitably gives in. He just lets it happen, right? I know many people might respond with, like, okay, we're going to make whatever I want to have happen happen. And we're going to manipulate this person to make this work. And Charlie just lets it go. Like, Charlie driving, what, like, a mile an hour down the highway because, um, Raymond was just too nervous to drive on the highway. And so Raymond walked in front of the car for God knows how long. Like, oh my gosh, what, that is not how I would have tried to solve that. But Charlie was like, okay, you're just going to walk the highway. I will, I will drive you. I will drive behind you and walk the highway. Like, excellent. Well, as somebody with now recent, more recent experience with a toddler, yes, there's things that you'll, you'll tell yourself that you'll do, and then, then you get into the situation, and you're like, you know what? You it's know. easier just to, to go with the current for a little bit rather than <laughs> paddle upstream <laughs> furiously. So I, I, I could understand in some of those scenarios. So here we are. You're just going to follow, follow the toddler down. Yeah. But yeah, so I what? mean, you really, you really have to see it. I mean, we could... We could go through other lines, I suppose, but I think that covers the, the gist of it. It's just uh, a lot of it's a lot of it's repetitive, but just the just the acting and the uh, accent and the mannerisms all work. Yeah, thumbs up. You definitely should watch this. But what didn't work for you? What were what were some critiques? Well, I, I guess if I'm honest, uh, the first hour is great, and then you you kind of get it right. Uh, I, oh, okay. It's more of, more of the same. Um, so yeah, it was maybe an hour and 15 minutes in where it, it became clear, like, okay, clearly that Tom Hank, Tom Cruise is not Hanks. Tom Cruise is not going to kidnap his brother forever. Clearly they're, you know, you, you don't really care about him winning. You don't really care about him getting the inheritance. You don't really, you're not really worried that, uh, Raymond's not going to be safe or get back home or it's really low stakes. And so, yeah, about 75 minutes in, you're, I'm good. I could have wrapped it up at 90 minutes. And uh, that's just the nature of, of the story they were telling. But yeah, the very low stakes. I, there was really, aside from like moments where he's banging his head, you're not really worried about anything, which which is yeah. nice. It's nice to have that stress-free, but it just... I mean, especially uh, after Platoon. That's yeah. excellent. Yeah. yeah. But uh, so I guess that's my biggest critique, just uh, nothing to do after after the mm-hmm. jokes are played out. Yeah, I would say my biggest critique is, you know, um, Charlie Babbitt is just so cookie cutter 80s man. And his girlfriend is so cookie cutter, the nice foil to Charlie's asshole, right? Like, it's so very cookie cutter that you will have this very harsh, selfish career man be softened by Raymond. Um, 
So that part of it for me was a little bit trite, but that's fine. It got us where we needed to go. Yeah, you think at one point he would have just taken the half a million dollars and and still visited Raymond on some weekends or something, um, and then Raymond's convenient. You know, he he's so uh, he's so um, used to a routine that he can't leave the facility, but yet he's totally cool with getting in the car and driving down the bridge, and you know, not freaking out immediately. He's he only freaks out mm-hmm. when when we want to have the plot and have him freak out. Uh, so right. again, keeps it, keeps it a lot safer. If someone I think of his condition really were, it, they would not have gotten far at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, would have gone very badly. Oh yeah. Like he's lived there for most of his life for him for, to leave that. Like all of the facility people were very just in their concern of having him leave mm-hmm. because he would have lost it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's, I guess, the one problem where you have a movie like this is it's not terribly deep, but that's okay. Uh, it just mm-hmm. uh, maybe, maybe just this, there's there's no uh, larger uh, thematic lesson to take into society. It's just a, a movie about some characters. I mean, kind of in, in spreading awareness about people on the spectrum. Yeah, it offers that. It's not like. Sure. I just don't think that was the movie's purpose, but maybe it was. That's what we don't know. I'm not reading anywhere that that was its purpose, that it was meant as You're right. Yeah, it's just telling a story, and we get to take away whatever we want from it. Yeah. Well, speaking of stories, Kate, time to take a look at where this story falls on our ranking list. Sort of a shorter uh, episode this week, but I think that's what happens when you have a a simple plot with... with, uh, few characters and it's all pretty positive and they knock it out of the park so yeah um i don't know dan i'm looking i'm looking higher up on the list over here like i'm looking specifically at the triad of amadeus deer hunter and the sting i feel like i I would put it a little lower just because i think it's closer to french connection French Connection 2 was about characters doing things and not a terribly profound story beyond the story, whereas we have definitely some uh, far more important movies, I think, just above that. Yeah. So I I would put it, what do you think, above or below the French Connection? Um, I would put it above it, just under one floor of the Cougar's Nest. Also, we really apparently liked all the King's Men. Like, we like... We threw it right on up there, and it's maintained its status. I like all the wow. King's Men a lot. It's it's had a few more uh, top it since it seems, but yeah, it's hanging in the top. Uh, is it still in the top ten? Barely. Yes. Yeah. It is. We should watch is, the we should watch the newer remake of that. I'm curious to see what they ended up doing with it. We might bump it. I don't know. Yeah, all the King's Men is number ten at the moment, so we'll see if it holds on. Okay. All right. Okay, coming up next, we've got another Ooh, short, right. short little ditty, and it is Driving Miss Daisy. I'm so excited to see. I've never seen Driving Miss Daisy, but it's always, it was one of the movies that was always in my grandma's collection, and I would like look at it as I was looking for other things, and I wondered what it was. So this, I'm excited to see it. Yeah, I'm Isn't curious to see Freeman it. Morgan Freeman well, we're going to have to watch it and think what was it like back then and what is it like now and does it is it is it accidentally uh, offensive or is it still pretty solid? I don't know. I hope it's I saw Green Book recently and I hope it doesn't remind me of that too much. 
But why would you watch Green Book recently? We're gonna watch it not too long. Well, I mean, recently, like a year ago, when it when it won. Um, question: Wasn't this Morgan Freeman's first film? I don't know. That sounds like something to talk about next week. Okay. It's a short episode, Kate. We're gonna need to save stuff. I I don't want to. Come back next week, folks, and find out if it was indeed Morgan Freeman's <laughs> first film. We'll leave a cliffhanger. We're really leaving, leaving everyone on a cliff. Well, folks, just like Raymond didn't want to be bookless, you don't want to be podcastless. So if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your local podcast to Cinema Cemetery. I want to thank uh, Chaz Hearn, as always, for not leaving us songless and writing our intro <laughs> and outro music. Correct. Andre Perez for not leaving us logo list. And sadly, we are now leaving you episode list because this episode is uh, all wound up. I'm Dan. (laughs) Okay. And uh, we'll see you next time. From now on, I'll go my own way.